Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Lockbox, a podcast providing real estate professionals with action items for success. My name is Jeffrey Broger, and I'm going to be your host. I'm the founder of two real estate marketing and tech companies, Steezy.Digital and RealNurture.io. In this podcast, you'll learn from top 1% real estate and mortgage brokers the exact secrets to their success. Welcome to Lockbox. Welcome to Lockbox. My name is Jeffrey Broger, and I'm here today with Chris Craddock. Chris, thanks for being with us. Hey, thanks for having me, brother. Appreciate it. Absolutely. And to start things off, why don't you just tell our listeners you know, who you are, where you're from? Yeah. So uh, again, Chris Craddock, I'm here in the DC area, kind of born and raised here. Uh, I, you know, yeah, graduated college and got married right out of school, actually right before I finished school. And then um, my wife got pregnant in 2003. I was working for a small ministry called Young Life. I loved it. It was awesome. But I made like 20 grand a year. And anybody in the DC area knows you cannot live on 20 grand a year. And so my wife got pregnant uh, I started reading every book in the library because it was before Google was like what it is. And, uh, and yeah, just found all these books on investing. So I just started knocking on doors, made 12 times what I made in a year in about four months and uh, continued to do ministry stuff. It was great. Loved it. But then as I had more and more kids, I guess I'm at six kids now. I'm done. Done. We're, we're, we're done. Uh, but <laughs> at six kids and you, know, you realize the money just started running out really fast, especially when you're in ministry salary. And so I started flipping houses again and I'd gone back to school a couple of times and ended up getting a doctorate in leadership. And um, when I, I always led large teams in ministry. And so when I, somebody gave me Gary Keller's book, The Millionaire Real Estate Agent, it just made sense. And so I started building a retail team, but because of the fact that I'd been in the investor world for so long, I kind of, after a couple of years, kind of cross-pollinated and created this like retail slash investment arm where they just... We're symbiotic and you know we grew our retail team really fast last year we did 167 million and this year we'll probably do around 200 million so yeah just kind of moving that's awesome yeah and a lot of my clients they have focused on both the real estate side as well as the investment side at least my top clients have and the ones that can really see it as a holistic picture and do both uh, have have been the ones that are 100 million plus per year Right. They, they get to that level where they understand both sides. Then they have construction crews on staff that they're keeping busy with their, their own personal flips. You know, they're, they're always seeking opportunity in the real estate world and using real estate as a vehicle, not just being tied to, okay, I'm only a residential agent. I only do retail. Like that's it. Right. So, yeah. That's one of the huge things. So, you know, I've got, I got my retail team. I've got a flipping business. I got a, a buy and hold portfolio. I own a construction company. I own an insurance company. I have something called Legal Shield, which is really, really awesome if you're in the investor world. Uh, basically, for 25 bucks a month, having an attorney that if you ever get sued and anybody you can call anytime you have issues. Um, I've got, uh, you know, we, we partner with a, a lending company. Anyway, there, I, I'm leaving some stuff off, but um, I mean, we've got, nine or 10 businesses at this point, but it's all the bigger your, your real estate, your retail engine gets, the more it, sh- you know, just shoots off all this other business opportunity that you have. Right. And based on the transaction volume now, you said you're approaching 200 million. You know, what advice would you give to someone who's maybe 80 million a year? They've, they've obviously established a solid business. I mean, most agents never make it even close to that, right? So if you're at <laughs> 80 million a year, you typically have a team under you, you're doing some things right, but you always want to grow. You always want to hit 120, 150. And so what are some things that they could do with some advice that you could offer to, to get that next level? 
Yeah, if you're at 80 million, you're probably still solidly in production and you're probably right. all running together. What I would say is there, there were, man, actually right when I was right around 83 million, um, I was introduced to these five books that really, really helped me. Actually, one, there were six books that, that I'll, if I'll add one extra one that I'll List add them. to. But, but one is the E-Myth. If you've never read the E-Myth, you got to read the E-Myth. One is EOS Traction. One is uh, the 12-week year. One is Scrum, how to do twice the work and half the time. And one is the book Clockwork um, by the same guy who wrote uh, Profit First. And I would also throw in um, one book that I'll, I'll add to that mix is uh, Who Not How, which is a more recent development, but it fits in that circle um, of those books. And when I really started owning those books and read them and reread them and just really lived them, you know, what, fo- what you focus on gets better, what you focus on expands, right? Um, when I really focused on that, I was able to pull myself out. And when you are in there, you, you're a player coach. And, you know, I coached high school soccer for many, many, many years. And what I realized is when I would scrimmage with the boys, I would, you know, I, I would lose perspective of some of the things they're doing because, you know, I'm in the midst of the game. My, my perspective wasn't true. When I stepped outside, I saw some of the things that I didn't see when I was a player coach. And so to really, really expand big, you got to have to stop being as much of a player coach and start moving into that coach role. Such great advice. The common thread or the common saying is start working on your business, not at your business. Yeah. And it's so true. You do have to be able to remove yourself and take that thousand foot view. And I really like that you you acknowledge that as a transitional point, that 80-ish and then moving on beyond that. Because I do have clients that are at 80, 100 million and they want to escape it but they are heavy in production. They're still taking almost all their listing appointments. And yeah, they've outsourced their buyer process, but they got to continue to level up, go to that next step. So great advice there. It's so hard because man, you're like, but I can do all of these, like all of these transactions and I'll probably do them better than the people that I hand them off to. But then when you have two or three people and your job is, I mean, we hear the phrase rainmaker, your job is really to make it rain, you know, bring leads, bring appointments to these other people. If I don't care how good you are, maybe you're 20% better than, than your, your other guys. But if you give them 400% more leads, you know, because you have so many more people, you're going to close at a much bigger level and you're going to control your time and control your death. That's right. I've heard the saying that if someone can do something 80% as good as you, you should outsource it. Yeah. Because they'll never do it 100% as good as you. And even if they do, you won't admit it, right? <laughs> so, yeah. so yeah, getting to that <clears throat> mental place where you're like, okay, if I can either hire someone or train someone, and I like that concept, who, not how, like if I can put the right people in place, then I can feel comfortable stepping out. And maybe they aren't as good as me. Maybe they, maybe they don't close quite as many. Their conversion rate's a little bit lower. But now I'm 100% removed. I have my time back. And now I can be that true coach, look at the system as a whole and start to put the right other systems in place. So love that advice. Well, one of my good, he's a really close friend of mine. He netted over a million dollars for years and years. You know, the crazy thing is he was working about an hour a week in his, like on his business. That was it, an hour a week. And the rest of the time he was doing other things. And I look at it, you know, I netted well, well more than he netted. But I, man, I was still grinding. I mean, I'm talking like, you know, 60, 70 hour weeks and in a heartbeat, man, I would trade making, making less money to have a business that is a business and not a job. And, Hmm. you know, as I've been learning that, learning from him, how to do that and how to replace myself, you realize maybe you make less money here, but you have so much more time. And if you really have leveled up to the point where your time is so much more valuable, when you are making it rain than when you're actually doing the, the task, then you really, really, really are at a place where you can really exponentially earn more money. I mean, what is it? Simon Sinek has, has his uh, The Infinite Game book that is, is just really interesting. And, and as long as you're doing a job, you're trading time for dollars and the game is finite. It's not until you're able to learn how to trade your expertise for dollars that you can really get infinite. Gosh, I chuckle when you said the difference between owning a business and having a job. Because when I was at Tony Robbins, Unleash the Power Within, he's like, how many of you in the room are business owners? Everyone, (laughs) you know, 90% of the people raise their hand. And he said, how many of you could be gone for a month and you'd make the same money that you're making right now? 
and like everyone <laughs> dropped their hands. He said, okay, you have a high paying job, right? You're still working. You're the primary producer and you're working in your business every single day. You're not truly an owner. And so then the concept was to step into that, right? And so I, I, I love that example as well. I'm curious with your personal journey, you seem like you've hit a few home runs and I'm sure there's a lot of failures. We could talk about that too, but right now I want to focus on the action items for success. I mean, is there a common thread, like a single most important action that you've taken on a daily basis that has attributed most to your success? So I'd say a couple things. One, massive and perfect action. Man, I'll tell you, like we can definitely get into some of the, some of the failures. I'll, I'll just allude to one that at one point I had a lot of success and I went like way too all in and ended up with about $10 million worth of debt. Um, Jim Ooh. Collins in How the Mighty Fall calls it the hubris born of success. You think you have the mightiest touch and then you just, man, screw yourself. <laughs> that was what happened. So that's one thing. But, but here's the thing. For me, um, actually, one of the biggest leveling up for my team was my wife asked me a few years into it. She's like, Chris, I know you do a lot of teaching, but does your team understand the price you pay for education personally? And I was like, what do you mean? Mm. Like, She's like, I don't know. Like, I mean, she's like Oxford educated, right? Like she, you know, like high, high level as far as education. She's like, I know nobody. And I know a lot of high level people. I know nobody that spends as much time in personal development or as much money in personal development as you do. And she's like, does your team understand that? Or do you just give them fish or do you teach them this is how you fish? And at that point, that's when I started opening it up. So I have this morning routine. I am naturally a night person, but I decided to be a morning person. But this morning routine where I, I exercise all the important parts of my body that I care about, you know, everything from, you know, what's your why, your spiritual side, your physical side, your relational side, and also business side, like getting, getting going. I think of like, like an athlete getting ready for a game. You know, I'm, I, I spend at least an hour in personal de- development in the morning. So that's, that's one of the biggest pieces because your business, you will always be the bottleneck in your business. And if you're not growing, you're, you're going to lose people that are people that are growing under you, or they're going to hit a bottleneck and never outgrow you. They're either going to leave or they're not going to grow themselves. It's like a fish in a small tank. Or, and so that's the one. And then the other one is like, I'm just willing to do things, you know, imperfectly, right? Like just, just start, right? Just get it going. And sometimes that served me really well. I, I'd say about 80% of the time it serves me really well. 20% of the time it blows up in my face, but, uh, but the home runs tend to, I mean, literally the guys that hit the most home runs in the big league are the ones that also strike out the most. So I'm That's good right. with that. And I do appreciate you saying that massive and perfect action is a big part of it and how you were a night person, but you decided to be a morning person. You know, I'm very, I'm very similar in that. Like I get, I have a night owl, but I decided, you know what? I'm going to get up at 5.30, be at the gym at six and do the deal because everyone that's successful that I know does that. Find and me a so, millionaire that wakes up, like rolls out of bed when, his, when he feels like rolling around in bed at like 10 a.m. And it's just like, eh, I'll just figure <laughs> yeah. out what I'm going to do today. <laughs> Maybe if they're yeah. retired, but not somebody that's building. <laughs> exactly. Find me one. And even the ones that get to that point of retirement usually keep working because they're working on passion projects. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, that's, it's just a common concept. It's like get up early and the morning has secrets, but you got to be up and, and waiting and ready for t- to receive them. Yeah. My morning formula and my morning routine is critical. So I, that's actually a common one. When I asked what's the single most important, a lot of people point to their morning routine. So you're in good company there. so as far as business nowadays you know you have rei revive like let's talk a little bit about that because you you mentioned right before the podcast this opportunity that that you were recently given and and i'm curious because you know for me i'm referral agent and a wholesaler where i source deals and then i i get them in touch with either an investor network or i get them in touch with a broker network depending on whether that property owner wants to be on or off market so why don't we talk a little bit about REI Revive? Yeah, absolutely. So what I found was in my life, like it's just crazy because most wholesalers, right? If there's a wholesaler listening, um, most wholesalers, let's say they generate 20 leads, right? Of the 20 leads, maybe four are, are motivated sellers to sell for 65, 75 cents on the dollar, right? Well, what happens and then maybe they close one, right? So what happens with all of the other leads, right? That the other 19 that you didn't close, 
right? What they do is they go, they sell to an investor that pays a stupid amount of money that's, that's going to lose money, right? Some new investor. They sell with another agent or, you know, they choose not to sell, right? But somebody is making money on those other deals. It's just not you, right? And so what we did, this was one of the things that I did. I, I went um, a couple of years into my business because I was... I just knew that I could not work any harder and get more deals. I would scratch. Like literally the, the least amount we ever grew was when we went from 40 to 43 million. I think in my my second, no, I guess first to second year in, in business or second to third year, something like that. We went to 40 to 43 million and, and I was working so much harder, but we just grew just by a little bit. And somebody told me, they're like, Chris, you got to stop working to bring in one deal. You need to start finding, how can I work harder to bring in five deals, 10 deals, 50 deals? And I started thinking, okay, who is it? It's flippers, it's wholesalers, it's builders. And I thought, like I came from the flipping wholesaling world. Like I'm just going to find the biggest wholesaler in the area. So I go to this guy um, who's the biggest wholesaler in our area, six-figure marketing spend every month. And uh they're like, listen, you know, we've worked with a lot of uh, agents and we've tried to start our own brokerage. We've tried all these other things and it just doesn't work. Um, it's not worth our time. We just gave an agent a thousand leads over the last six months and she's closed six. She's like one of the top agents in all of Keller Williams. She's closed six. And so for me, one of the phrases I have in life is persistence breaks resistance. So I just was nice, but just kept calling, kept calling. Finally, they're like, hey, we'll, we'll send you over some leads. They sent me over 150 leads. Literally 70 of them had already closed with somebody else. 30 of them were out of area. So I had like 40 leads, something like like 40. And I'm like, well, if this other chick closed with a thousand leads, closed six, I got to get six out of what I got here. And so somehow I got six. I called them. I was like, hey, I got six pending. Where do you want? Like send me your W9 so I can send you guys the referral fee. And uh, they're like, dude, why don't you come and meet with us? So I came in and they're like, <laughs> brother, they're like, we gave you leads that were like five years old because we like you. We didn't want to be like, hey, stop calling us. But like, we're just like, if we give them these five-year-old leads that, uh, you know, he'll just leave us alone and we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll stop getting called every week. And uh, he's like, when you close this many. So then we started building it up, building it up. And actually uh, last year we were averaging like, I mean, sending like 62 grand a month was our average referral that we were sending, like literally three quarters of a million dollars they were making on deals that were just laying dead in their database. And so I kind of, I, I systemized how to monetize those dead leads and created our program, uh, REI Revive, uh, Wholesaling Inc. just picked me up as a coach because, you know, they're, they saw it. Like this, I think this is the future of real estate. Like it, like I think retail real estate as, as we know it is, is going to, like it's going to change. And the same thing with, with the investor side, it's, it's going to change with technology. So I think we need to be able to give them the offer. Hey, we can close in cash now. Or if that, if you're looking closer to retail price, we've got the, your, your other option. But if you just say, Hey, do you want to talk to a realtor? Everybody's like, oh, my brother's an agent. My uncle's an agent. Yeah. My hairdresser's an agent. Nobody wants to talk to an agent. They call an investor for a reason. And so that's why you just have to have the right system to be able to close at a high, high level. Got it. So REI Revive is a system that has really distilled down the process that you went through in order to revive these quote unquote dead leads. Yeah. Right. And, and so is it software? Like what, what exactly is it? No. So it's, it's a system. Um, we, I teach like scripts and dialogues when you're, when you're talking to somebody and you realize that it's going to be a retail lead. So I teach scripts and dialogues. I teach what to use to, to get appointments set for the right agents. I teach people how to find the right agent partner because honestly, that's going to be a big, big piece. If you get, if you get like, honestly, I mean, I made this investor, like I, I literally changed his, his financial year. Like, like nobody's going to make an extra three quarters of a million dollars with no overhead and not say that's at least a little bit life-changing, right? Like it's a little bit changing for the business. Um, so I changed that year soon. So the person that you go into business with really does become more of a business partner. I mean, you don't have ownership in each other's business, but it literally a business partner can can change the trajectory of your financial year. So how do you pick that person? And then then we do the second half of the class is the program is how do we tra train the agent to be able to close? Because a lot of times agents walk into the door of somebody that wanted to talk to an investor and they open up their listing presentation. And they're like, blah, 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 blah. This is how I close a listing. And everybody's like, 
I didn't want to talk to an agent. Now you're baited and switched, you know? So there's a whole process to make sure that they don't feel like you're baited and switching. Got it. So it's, it's coaching. And you did mention that I, I missed it in the description, but I'm glad I re- reiterated it for my listeners because coaching is massive. I mean, the way that I've achieved success at you know the relatively young age that I am is all due to coaching. I was like terrible out of the box. Like <laughs> my wiring out of the box was nothing. And then you know I got into a direct sales gig that was big on personal development, and they had this library that was it was this janky little login. This is like 2009. It was like this janky little login to these past conference audios that had terrible audio, but it were all the it was all, all the top reps in the company talking about how they did certain things and certain little aspects. And I would, man, I would put that on a CD or I'd put that on an MP3 and I would listen to it right before an appointment. And all of a sudden, boom, a couple years later, I'm top 1% in the company as well. And like, <laughs> it just proved the point that, man, coaching is so valuable. So I've continued to invest in coaching. When I find someone that has what I want, I'm willing to pay and shortcut that process, right? I, I know that I can go learn it, but like, I want to, I want to shortcut it. That's the whole thing. I, so I spend uh, at least, uh, you know, well, I'm a little bit under, but like I, I tried to work for last year. I spent over, uh, over six years on coaching and masterminds and all the other stuff. Like I, I worked to, to make sure that I'm, I'm right around uh, 10%. I was a little short last year. And so, because I, I do believe it's the best investment you can make. So it's a line item in my budget, my personal budget is to spend that money on it. And, and like you said, to shortcut the process, if you can compress uh, what I knew, if I could compress what I knew five years ago into a pill and take it, or what I know now five years ago and take it, I mean, literally the millions of dollars it would be worth to me, but so many people need to figure it out on their own. Like that's just like Keith Cunningham has a book called The Road Less Stupid. That is foolishness. It's stupidity. It is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I need to figure this out on my own. Like, why wouldn't you pay somebody a, a, a few bucks? And, and, and you know, I, I get it. It sounds you know self-serving, but why, like I, but I pay people because I want to learn faster. Because I know that in this business, if I learn the things that I could know, like in in decades, in the days, like I'll tell you, like I'll, I'll make so much more money. It's it's not even a question. It's just foolishness to try to figure it out and take. Like pay for speed, pay for speed, pay for speed. Yep. <laughs> and uh, you must be a bit of a Tony Robbins and a Darren Hardy guy because you said a couple of the things like 10% of your income, you're investing into yourself and <laughs> decades into days. I'm all about this stuff. And it's, it's common that a lot of high achieving individuals are joining masterminds like this. It's not only that when you're at that level, you kind of feel lonely because no one in your surroundings understands you because you're this type A, high achieving, high income earning individual. And so it's like, you can't have conversations with people at dinner that would relate, but then you join a mastermind of other wolves all over the world. And you're like, oh, I like this, right? So it's part of it's that, that environment where, where they're like, oh, you thought you're doing good making a mil a month. I made 10 mil a month. And you're like, oh man, it makes you want more, which that's also a value. But then you get these little nuggets and secrets and it's never, in my experience, a specific like widget or tactic. So much of it oftentimes is mindset or a script, like what you're saying and, and like a, a little bit of difference in what you're saying, all of a sudden, boom, the results start to come. And it's like, why is this working so much better? Well, <laughs> they spent a decade learning it. Now they just gave it to you, you know, in, in a single one-time training session. And like, so I'm a huge fan of that. And, and really cool to hear that you have this platform specifically for wholesale deals, you know, reviving dead leads, talking to motivated sellers, and then, you know, leads that have come in and said, they've raised their hand at some point in the past and said, I'm interested in a free home eval, a cash off or whatever it was, and being able to then transfer that into a transaction income. Yeah. I mean, that that's gold. That's that's awesome. 100%. And it's so funny that uh, what you said about Darren Hardy and Tony Robbins, have you ever, did you ever watch Transformers? Yeah. It's hilarious. I always joke that originality is just forgetting who you stole it from. But like, yeah, I love Tony. I love Darren Hardy. Like I think of myself as kind of bumblebee. I'll, I'll say things. And the most genius things that I, I say are just things that I ingested. I heard somewhere and I just, I'm repeating it like bumblebee from Transformers, you know, like I don't even know where it came from, but I'm like, man, this is genius. And you know, just, I'm just going to say it, but yeah, no, I love Tony. I love Darren Hardy. All these guys are just ingest as much as I can and then kind of, it just blows out, which <laughs> works. <laughs> and they stood on the shoulders of giants too. I mean, Tony Robbins sold Jim Rohn seminars and products. 
early in his career. Like, it's just this cascading, like, you know, all of the personal development, I guess, I don't want to call them gurus because they're really not. All these practical psychologists over the last, you know, 100 years plus that have trickled down the best learnings. And when you hear stuff and it rings true immediately, typically it's true, right? And so it's like these one-liners that you're saying, you heard it years ago and you've, you know, put it back in front of yourself so that it becomes a part of your subconscious, then you share it. And even though it's, you know, a paraphrase or, or a similar or whatever, it rings true and other people then are able to then benefit from it and experience it. So yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of, of all this and it seems like we're on the same page about it. A lot of my listeners are too. So back to real estate specifically, I'm curious about lead generation. I mean, I, I run a lead generation agency and I'm curious what the number one most profitable lead generation source has been. You mentioned getting, you know, a list of leads from, from uh, yeah, wholesalers and things like that. But do they have like lead source? You know, for example, I'll tag, you know, when I generate a lead for a client, they'll know exactly what campaign that lead saw, you know, what form they filled out, what website they clicked through, like what thank you page experience they saw. So. Do you have any type of stuff like that? Like, oh, Google pay-per-click is crushing it. Or, you know, is there anything like the number one best lead source for motivated sellers? Well, some of, some of the stuff we do, I mean, because I've got a retail team, you know, 48% of our deals are sphere rental and past clients, which is the, the cheapest by far. Um, but, you know, you, you'll listen to like the Brian Buffini's and all these guys that are referral only. And I think if you're referral only, you can build this big business, but you can't build a massive business. Like it just... It just doesn't work like that. At some point, you have to go out to people outside of your your influence, or you're never going to be able to. You're not going to have a, a value proposition big enough for your agents to recruit enough agents. Like it's just, it's not going to. I agree. So the so when I look at the other the other pieces, you know, I do. We have some lead sources where we we do our own pay per click stuff, and and we know kind of what what our response rate is on that. Um, we'll, you know, there's a direct mail campaign where we'll split test, split test certain, you know, direct mail, you know, opportunities that we have. Um, and then there's other stuff from like other wholesalers and, and whatnot, where we've got no idea. They just come in and, and we close them. So, you know, that's, that's kind of the deal. Now I did find this, this is one of the things we teach in our, our class that for people that are doing like investors, if they're doing outbound mar- or outbound marketing, like cold calling or voicemail drops or text drops or stuff like that, that after they have made an offer to us, uh, to a motivated seller, it's usually about 10 days before, like after about 10 days, their closing rate goes down to, you know, less than 5%. If, Time kills deals. Yeah. But, but if you do stuff where they call you and you're not calling them, you only have five days. After five days, it goes down. So, oh. so anyway, I thought that that was really, really an interesting metric that we we figured out. So, yeah, I don't know if that's helpful to anybody else, but uh, but yeah, the the amount of time if you reached out to them out of the blue tends to be a little bit longer for it to just like fall off a cliff as far as your uh, conversion rate. Um, but if, if if you reached out to them you have uh, essentially double the time. It's 10 days and then it falls off a cliff as far as conversion. And, and that makes sense to me because that can be explained by intent. If someone is seeking out and they call you, that shows a high intent. But if you interrupt them in their daily life and call them, they weren't even thinking of it most likely. And you know, maybe you timed it perfect out of the blue or you're, you know, you're getting some data that they're showing signs, you know, online or whatever it is, and then you call them at the perfect time. But most of the time, if you're doing cold calling and stuff, it's kind of interruption style marketing. You know, it's more like a Facebook ad. They're just scrolling and it's like, oh, yeah, interesting. And they, they opt in, right? So that makes sense to me. I am still curious. I mean, if you're if you're open to to just sharing just a generality of like, you know what, this year, Facebook marketplace has been killing it. Like any little hack for like lead generation. Cause I know that that's one thing where Facebook marketplace has been very interesting in expanding its ability to put, you know, cars and houses and high ticket items on there. And, you know, for zero ad spend in a Facebook marketplace and having a VA put up a listing every week. um, Some clients have been able to drive traffic back to my chatbot funnels and qualify leads and integrating with their CRM. So like there's these little hacks. Um, and I'm curious because you have such similar experience to, to me and like the wholesale and like the, the more of the motivated seller, which is so highly sought after. I was curious if you had like one thing to share with that. 
I'm pulling up my Facebook marketplace. I get stuff all the time. We put all of our <laughs> listings up on Facebook marketplace. Yeah, I got a ton of these that have come through from Facebook marketplace. So we get a ton there. So I'd say that that's a huge one. Where else? Oh, I'll give if if somebody is uh, you know retail agent. Let's talk, are we talking retail agents, wholesalers? Like, what are we? We talking about here? Just I was anybody? focusing more on I was focusing more on wholesaler, like the the motivated seller type leads, the distressed sellers. Okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. Well, I'll say this: if you're a retail agent on those motivated seller leads, anytime you put on Facebook, "Hey, does anybody know somebody looking for a a deal 50k under market like this?" You'll build a buyers list. That's really awesome. So that's like one of the really cool things out there is you can build a buyers list that is going to pay way more than your standard buyers list, like your standard fix and flipper or whatnot. You're going to find people that, man, if if they could get a deal 3% under market, they are thrilled. And so you right. can make much, much bigger margin on deals rather than sell it to somebody from like a Facebook group, like a or or just like one of the standard, you know, standard guys that are buying to, to then reflip because then they're buying as in buyers. There's a lot of money there. Oh, here's another thing too. Um, I've got a lender. If, if somebody wants to, if anybody wants to reach out to me, I'll connect them. I'll even connect them um, through, you know, you can reach out through Instagram or something like that. But uh, I've got a lender that will actually pay assignment fees if it's done right. Um, so people can sell to in buyers and have their assignment fees paid rather than cash or hard money buyers. So that's another really, really cool thing. So you find vacant properties, you can sell to end user buyers. So I'd be happy to make a connection to, uh, to the lender that can do that. Awesome. That's super generous. I, I appreciate that. And, you know, we'll make sure to get your contact info at the end of the episode you know, so that, you know, people can reach out. And we do have a couple more questions here. I want to know, you know, is there anything that you do for, you, for your clients that nobody else in the industry does that you know of? Any, any like unique value prop that you're like, you know, cash offer in 24 hours or I mean, maybe other people do that and there's something unique, but does something come to mind there? That sets is you apart. For the retail business or what, which business is this for? Sorry. Because you have so many, because you have so many businesses. Because <laughs> we questions. have so many different these questions. Oh, yeah, Revive go, has yeah. one offer, retail has one, like investing has another. So, yeah. Uh, so let's let's uh, let's keep it on the you know the investor side. Okay, because you said client, yeah. so I'm like, ah, well then they're not technically clients. So anyway, I'm just trying. Right, to, right, right. No, that was a great clarifying question. Thank you. Yeah. So so yeah. I mean, for that. One of the biggest pieces there is just just cash, no hassle offer. Um, you know that that's just pretty much it. You know, a lot of our so again because we do a lot of stuff for our retail business that is also investor business. We'll send out farming letters or whatever, just saying you know we've got a cash offer. Um, we, we do handwritten letters, uh, which is really well handwritten envelopes, which is really really powerful. You get a huge response rate, but it is expensive. So. That's a that's another piece, but if you're offering a cash offer, uh, you know the response rate goes way. Up. And you're actually doing handwritten, or is it like the computer handwritten? We can kind of tell. No, I've got two. I, I've hired two people for forty hours a week to handwrite envelopes. Wow, it's crazy! It's crazy. But just it's, the envelope, the envelope, or the le- the whole letter and everything. Just the envelope. Just the okay. Because because it's all about getting to open it, right? That's it. Right. It's not cheap, but man, our response rate is huge. <laughs> that's awesome. That's a great little tip. See, I, I love that. I love those little tips and tricks. And you know, that's that's the the type of value that that I appreciate you sharing. So thank you. Uh, once again, it gets expensive and it's hard to do, but if you go that extra mile, hey, you'll see the results. So I'm curious if you know. Let's go back to the the retail side now. How are you leveraging digital marketing to gain exposure for your listings? I mean, in t- today's market, you basically just whisper that you have a listing and you get 100K over asking. But, you know, it, maybe in a more traditional market, are you doing, you know, drone footage videos, pushing out like Facebook video views? Are you like retargeting? Like, like what, what's going on with your digital marketing to gain exposure for your listings? Yeah, I mean, I don't really believe that, you know, even the drone, any of that stuff really is, is bringing more eyes on listings. Like, and maybe I'm off. I, I mean, I've got so many friends that will argue with me and I'm, I'm fine. Like, I'm happy to use that argument because I just like, I don't know. But what I would just say is this, the, the things that I'm using to get. So as I see it, I think our clients are getting, getting massive exposure, right? It's hard to get 
more exposure than what we're giving them. So the way I want to really leverage is what is ways to get more business from business? Because I really do believe business begets business. Business, uh, like listings make babies, business makes babies, right? Like, so the more you can do, the more you can, the more you can do, right? So like, like new agents on my team or agents that are in a slump on my team, I will literally straight up tell them, go to a for sale by owner and offer to, to do the listing for the admin fee. Because like, don't even charge a commission, like just pay the buy side commission. Like you just need to be doing something, right? You know, an object in motion tends to stay in motion and uh, then you get more business from it. So that's like one of the big pieces there. Like I, I do believe business makes more business. Um, the second piece is this. Um, I love Facebook Marketplace. You, you mentioned that. Like we get so many people reaching out about that. Um, what else uh, do I... So this, I, I think I said this before, but one of the easiest ways to get more business from this is every time you have a deal that's slightly under market or needs work or a fixer-upper, I always post it on Facebook and every three posts just on my wall, hey, I've got this deal, whatever. Every three posts, um, we end up getting a, uh, a new client from it. That's, that's what our numbers are. Um, so, you know, I try to do like one or two a week and, you know, we're literally by every third post, we're getting a new client and oftentimes it's a buy sell, it's whatever. So the retail business really, really pops because of that. So those are a handful of little, uh, little things that we like to do. Yeah. Awesome. Those are great, great tips. Go ahead. And one of the best parts about that is a lot of that stuff you don't personally have to do. You can get a VA to do it. (laughs) Right. It looks like you did. (laughs) That's right. And, and that comes down to once again, like stepping out of the business, like setting up the system and then hiring someone to do it. And for those posting and admin tasks, absolutely get a virtual assistant, you know, five to eight bucks an hour and they're stoked. Like they are so happy to be making that kind of money because I've gone and traveled to places like the Philippines or Indonesia. And I mean, the exchange rates are like 14,000 to one or like 50,000 to one dollar, you know, and, and, you know, you can, you can live a great life for just a couple hundred dollars a month. So you're paying them an incredible wage more than their, their parents or their grandparents have ever made. And for you, it's a quarter of the cost of of an employee here. And I think, you know, it's important to just decipher like what types of tasks to outsource. Right. Um, But yeah, that's, that's another critical piece to scaling is, is leveraging virtual assistants. Yeah, 100%. So in the last five years, do you have a new belief, behavior, or a habit that has most improved your life? Well, here's what I've recognized more than just about anything else. So one of the masterminds I'm in, there's a guy that's kind of like a, almost, he's not quite a life coach, but like personal development coach. And he made us all do kind of a life map, right? Where we just looked at our whole adult life from high school to where we are now. And just kind of what are the main key factors, key things in our life. And what I realized was every leveling up I had in my life always coincided with a new relationship that was formed. And so mm. I can go in, in building. Actually, when, when I went back to go get my doctorate, uh, one of my buddies who's a mentor of mine said to me, Chris, you're going to learn a lot, but you can learn that from books. And he was just like, here's the main key find at least one or a couple people that you can really grow into a relationship with because that's going to be more life-changing than anything you learn in school. And it turned out that it was. There was a guy I met that literally changed my life. Like I saw the world in a whole different way because of that one relationship. And so, um, yeah, it was, it was just nutty. So what I would just say is that I've learned is who you hang out with like, and I knew this before, will dictate your future. But more so, you've got to find these, these couple people that will literally just change the whole trajectory and the whole destiny of your life because they will teach you to see the world in a way that you never saw it before. Powerful. Yeah, and so true. I love the map idea and the fact that it showed you this insight that every time I've leveled up, it's been due to a new relationship. And so then probably that influenced your philosophy to how can I increase the level of quality relationships I have in my life and that I'm making on a daily basis? Because right. then you're getting down to that 20% of your life that matters, right? And, and you're starting to rule out the 80% that doesn't. That's an incredible practice. And, and that's the value of coaching, right? Yeah. <laughs> you, yeah. know, you join this mastermind and, you know, I, I was a part of one years ago and the leader said, it's your job to extract value from this mastermind. Like you can pay to be a part of this and leave it with nothing and feel bitter, 
but it's not up to us. Like we're, we're bringing the people together. We're delivering the value, but it's up to you to extract the value. And that, that always resonated with me. It's like, you know what? They're right. How many times you, you start a course and you never log in or you get halfway through and you, you just, you know, you never get back to it. It's like, you're not really extracting the value from that asset that has been given to you and and you know maybe you paid for it or whatever i hope you paid for it because you'll probably appreciate it more (laughs) (laughs) yeah and and here's the thing you when you level up if if you're not around other people that have leveled up you start just being so alone like so my wife tells this story when we were i I mentioned when we had that 10 million dollars of debt right she was at a bible study one night and everybody's going around sharing like what they're struggling with she was just going to lay it out there which is very personal very private very embarrassing really that we got ourselves into that much of a mess um back then and but she was going to share with the group and literally the person that shared right before she was like you know i got i got ten thousand dollars with a credit card debt and i just don't know how i'm ever going to get out of it and literally then Catherine's like how do I share? I've got $10 million that I don't know how we're going to, to get out of this, this debt and behind right. all this stuff. Like you just can't. So that's where you, like the room you're in will dictate. And, and we got to be friends with some, some other people that really helped walk us through it. And literally it ended up, it cost me 663, I think thousand dollars is, is what I ended up paying, but I was so creative. I got out of that, that 10 million. I had, cause we had, they were tied to assets. And so we got right. out of it, cost me $663,000 paid it. Like in two years we had that paid off and we were able to move forward. But like the room we were in was not the right room to help us walk through that, that situation mm. in our life. Yeah. So key. So key. Yeah. And, and consistently putting yourselves in the environment that, can help you and will level you up is a big part of personal development, in my experience. Yeah, so, and the people that have been through that before, you know, one of another mentor of mine right. said to me, he said, never trust somebody that doesn't walk with a limp, right? And I'm like, that's a powerful statement. Like, that's powerful. I like that. Never trust somebody that hasn't experienced it, done it. If they're giving out advice and they haven't done it, right? Oh, man. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, I've got all these these buddies that are, are doing syndications and like they're they're taking these deals that have like no margin in it, like cap rates that are terrible. And I'm like, so what are you gonna do if the market goes bad? And they're like, well, it's not gonna go bad. And I'm like, Ooh. brother, that is that is not the right exit strategy. That is not a strategy. <laughs> well, I've got three years, I can make it three years before and, and then we'll cash out by in, within three years. They're like, oh my gosh. Talk to the people with the limp. They'll tell you when it goes bad, it starts and then it <laughs> then it goes. Talk to the people that started deals in 2004 and five and were looking for a three-year exit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ooh, that is not, yeah, that's not an exit strategy. And but uh, there are a lot of people, people like like fairly well-known names in the investor world that like are saying that. And I'm like, oh boys, come on. That is not good. Yeah. And like some of that is is somewhat based on data. It's like, yeah, we don't have the three decade plus bubble of bad mortgages ready to pop. And like, I get that like, it's not the same as the recession, but at the same time, there are some other factors that are going into place in a macroeconomic standpoint that are creating a bit of a, of a bubble, a bit of an inflated housing market. And, you know, yeah, inventory's down. Yeah. New builds are down. Yeah. Like there's, there's so many things, lumber tripled in price, right? So new builds are going to be even more expensive. I get it. But at the same time, I'm a little bit more cautious like you. It's like, I'm not getting into investments right now that I'm not comfortable holding long-term if they go down, right? I'm not planning on short-term exits because we are at the end of an eight, 10 year run. And, you know, no one really knows what's going to happen. Any of a number of things could happen. So yeah, I agree. And I think it all comes back to this. Like I'm, you know, I'm not the most successful person on earth to, to give advice, but take it from Tony Robbins and Sir John Templeton. So John Templeton was like the greatest investor of all time, even previous to, you know, Warren Buffett. And he said, it's all about asset allocation. You know, if you have proper asset allocation, then you'll always be fine. And no matter what market that is you're in and what's happening. But he found that when other investors got outside their asset allocation, that they decided this is my risk assessment. This is my portfolio that I'm comfortable with. When they got outside of it, when they got excited about an opportunity and they went all in or they, they put 80, 90% of their portfolio in one thing, 
that that's when it all fell apart. So I think it all comes down to that, like keeping in mind, like what you're comfortable with, what your, your risk profile looks like and not going outside that. Even if the deal of the century seems to come by and it's like, got to stretch you, you know, being careful with that. So, you know, I am curious on that note, then what's your process for evaluating what to say no to? Yeah. So for me, one of the, so deal by deal, that's a different story, but what I'm sure, getting sure. more opportunities on is investing in businesses or being a part of businesses. Mm. And what I see now is unless a business has a very clear path to netting over seven figures within three years, I say no to it. And there's a couple of businesses in my portfolio that didn't have that. And uh, I said, yes. And they've taken a lot of time with very low return. And there's some businesses that have taken very little time with massive return. And I'm like, okay, so if I only have a couple hours in the day that I can allocate towards anything, I need to make sure that if it doesn't, if it doesn't bring a seven-figure return within three years, then I need to be spending time saying yes to other things. Like, like I mean, I think what you're getting at is the Steve Jobs question. The reason the iPhone exists is because he said no to a hundred other good ideas, right? And so <laughs> you got to start saying yes to the right ideas and uh, the things that aren't making you live below your hourly wage. So important. And knowing your hourly wage, you know, that was another big thing my mastermind taught me. Because then if you don't know your hourly wage, you'll end up doing more things than you should. But the moment you really sit down and figure it out, that's when you say, oh, I can outsource everything that is lower than this hourly wage. I can pay someone lower than this hourly wage to go do. (laughs) That ends up being a lot. (laughs) Here's the easiest way to figure it out. So if you make a hundred grand a year, your hourly wage is around 50, 50 bucks an hour, right? So yep. you know you make a million a year, your hourly hourly wage is around five hundred dollars an hour. So you got to ask yourself, where do you sit? You know, million, two million, hundred thousand. Like, where do you sit in that? And then you then anything that is below that, you hire somebody else to do, so that you can do the things that are in your genius zone. That is leverage, and that comes from those books that uh, that I was learning. I'll, I'll tell you one of the biggest. Ahas is from that book, uh, Clockwork, where he said, just write, like buy a sticky pad, write down everything you're doing, stick it on a wall. And at the end of a couple of weeks, like organize them and see what are the stuff that's below your hourly wage and get that off your wall and onto somebody else's wall so that you can spend time. Again, you know, I, the phrase, it sounds so douchey, but it's, it's, it's true. Like making it rain, like, like you're the rainmaker, you need to make it rain. And if you're doing these things, you're not going to make it rain for everybody else in your organization. Right. And one other tip that has been layered with that, which I really like about hiring assistants is do a disc profile and then have your, your recruits also do a disc profile, the, the ones that are at the final stages of being hired and make sure that they complement each other, you know, okay. and, and that way you have given these tasks that you are underneath your, your pay grade, but you've also aligned it with someone who complements your disc profile. And that has been a great tip for me in, in finding great hires. It's just that extra layer of like, what type of person is this? Yeah, no, that's awesome, bro. That is awesome. So is there a question I should have asked you or anything that you'd like to expand upon from earlier? You know, I think you hit all the main ones. You know, morning routine, I think is huge. You know, reading, working on the business, not in the business, leveling up, you know, your business grows to the extent you grow. Those are the main things that I, I see, you know, massive and perfect action. I mean, we've gone, I mean, we've covered a lot of ground, a lot of ground. <laughs> yeah. So those are, yeah, those are the main things that, uh, that are really like kind of like my life uh, things. I mean, I, I'll, I'll say this, you know, I keep using the phrase genius zone. For me, I've been nailing them down and I'll probably change this over, over time. But uh, I've realized the things that are in my genius zone, one, problem solving, two, massive energy, you know, high performance habits, you know, winners create energy. And so are you creating that energy for yourself? So massive energy, three, you know, pitching vision. How do you pitch vision to those around you? Um, Because that creates energy in the world you're in. And then four is, uh, you know, strategic relationships. So um, those, that's the last thing I, I throw out is um, those are the things that I try to focus all my time in. And I think everybody should figure out what is it that you're really super amazing at? Like what is your genius zone? And then really start trying to spend your life in that genius zone and get the things that are, maybe you're better than the majority of people around you at it, but if it's not your genius zone, it still should get off your plate. I couldn't agree more. And that is really the final layer ultimately of stepping into your your 
personal power at the highest level is doing your genius zone activity the thing that you're passionate about that you're better than most people about that you can the way i put it is what can you do for more than four hours and not look at your watch, right? <laughs> the thing that comes yeah. just so naturally. And, and you know, that is a good indicator of something that is probably within your genius zone. So love that last tip. And it's a really big one. How can listeners contact you, whether it's about REI Revive or they're interested in doing a deal? Um, you know, how can they contact you? Yeah. So REI Revive, if you're interested in that, go to wholesalinginc.com forward slash revive. And that's uh, one of the easiest one, Wholesaling Inc forwards.com forward slash revive and either myself or somebody from our team will will get in touch with you and just look at your business make sure it's the right fit for this program um, if you want to get in touch with me um, I've got a podcast uh, if you're a retail agent and an investor it's kind of for the agent investor I know like the average podcast listener listens to seven podcasts so obviously continue to listen to this one but I'd love to be one of your other six and so if that's possible uh, go to uh, Uncommon Real Estate uh, in, in all the podcast areas. Also, I have a Facebook group if you're a real estate agent, uh, investor that you could jump into. And then also, I try to respond to everything. And I personally try to respond to everything on Instagram if anybody DMs me. So, you know, obviously, you can follow me, DM me, whatever, at Crad Rock. C-R-A-D-D-R-O-C-K, old high school nickname. I know it's weird, but I still kept it. And it is what it is. But I made it years ago and just kept it. But with that said, you know, people were so generous with their time with me. So that's one of the ways I try to get back is uh, is trying to respond to people's DMs when people DM me. And that's actually shocking how few people actually do. Um, right. But I found when when I was reaching out to people that actually offered to, to do that as well, they're like, man, maybe like, one or two people a month will. And I'm like, it's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> but I'm like, hey, people did it for me. I'm, I'm willing to do it for others. That's awesome. I appreciate that. We'll definitely link to everything below. And I really appreciate having you on because of your experience in the multiple different areas of real estate, retail, real estate investment, you know, your, your ability to convert people with scripts and REI Revive. I mean, this has been an amazing podcast and I know my guests gotten a lot of value out of it. So Chris Craddock, everyone give him a big uh, thumbs up and, and make sure to go subscribe and listen to his podcast as well. I, I appreciate having you on. Thank you. Thanks, brother. This has been awesome. Thank you for listening. If you want to accomplish your real estate goals, then I highly suggest downloading my free ultimate real estate goal setting framework. The link is in the description of the show and it will help you break down your annual income goal into the amount of phone calls, appointments, or open houses you need in order to achieve that goal. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.